Welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. <laughs> Here we are again for your weekly dose of truth and hope. And uh, we hope you enjoyed the last series that we were in, talking about a wonderful book, um, uh, Strange New World. Strange New World, yeah. <laughs> and, and Pastor Andrew and I have figured out that we do uh, the podcast best when we have some uh, jumping off places, and, and a good book is sometimes a great launch pad. So we are we have selected another great book. In fact, I think it's the perfect book to uh, to build upon where we ended talking about kind of the psychological or the philosophical uh, journey over the last several hundred years to get us into the crazy messed up world that we're in today. Yeah, and and I think these books in many ways are cutting edge uh, ideas, uh, philosophical ideas that talks about why we are the world today, and and really gives a kind of a, a scholarly approach to yeah. the underpinnings of what's happening. Explain the, what's what's the rationale behind. It's, right. it's less utilitarian, but more idealistic. But yeah. I feel like it's important to, for us to understand the world we're in today. Yeah. You know, so. I like to say like um, ideas are like the uh, metaphysical infrastructure <laughs> yeah. to the physical world. Everything in the physical world, and for instance, what's being done in public education or higher education, all started with an idea. I was just reading just to, to yeah. kind of piggyback on what we came <laughs> out of, how a lot of our... Uh, urban uh, public schools have ordered a whole hodgepodge of gender transitioning gear because the fashionable thing now is to have a closet at school where you literally can go into the closet and you can begin transitioning into your new gender. And so they have all this crazy kind of paraphernalia, physical things that help you create a new you, which is a metaphysical thing. And so once again, the, the, the idea world, the world of, of the spirit comes before the world of the natural and the world of the right. flesh. And so when you're looking at the news today and you're seeing stuff happening where you're just scratching your head, you need to realize there's there's an idea behind that. And, of course, we go all the way back. Um, ideas only come from one of two sources. It either originated with God and it's true, or it originates with Satan and it's a twist and it's a perversion of what God has said. So every idea you can trace back to, to its source, and there's only two sources. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you, when you deal with cancer... And you have symptoms of cancer. You can all often deal with the symptoms. You take a, an ibuprofen to help with the headache, yeah. but that doesn't right. solve the actual problem. And 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 you got to identify what the actual problem is, which takes digging, which takes scholarly work, which yeah. takes research to look at the history and what happens. And I think that's what we're digging to is is the heart of the bad consequences we see in the world today. The bad uh, legislation we see today is yeah. the ideas. It's digging these and, ideas. And you brought up a great point. It's, <laughs> it's not that we are overmatched in the area of ideas. The Christian worldview. I say this a million times. It is superior to anything because it is based on truth. The challenge for believers is that we learn our Christian worldview. It doesn't do us any good to have this incredible treasure house of wisdom that God has given us, but we're ignorant because we never do what you just said. We never do the hard work of understanding these things. Well, and, and there's an army. I mean, to be fair, there's an army of elites who sits around pontificating about these radical ideas and off these branches, and they're paid. They're, they're yeah. these, Which I, I just want to say, if someone out there is feeling led to pay Pastor Andrew and I an exorbitant amount of money so we can sit around and think deeply about these things. You can call us, contact us, we'll consider your offer, all right? Then that way we could, you know, we could join the fray. But we have, no, we got to raise kids I, I, and go to church. Right, right? we got, Pastor we got some work to do. And But I think there are some great Christian thinkers. There's yeah. just not an army of them, and there's not a uh, ready uh, media 
that's ready that to carry out every you know traditional media or whatever legacy media is ready to carry out every their every whims and fancies. Yeah. The, the the media certainly amplifies uh, those who disagree with us, um, and that's that's one of the media problems entertainment right yeah. songs music. Yeah, it's not that, that the truth's not out there. It's just that we we don't have the right. uh, the megaphone. Uh, but, but what I think this should do is equip you with the foundational ideas. Of yeah. saying, okay, wait, uh, individualism. Let's think about individualism. Radical individualism is that a good, logical, coherent idea to center everything about your feelings? You right, know, right. how's that working? How's that yeah. working for for on the larger national scale? Like maybe in the specific moment, it's like a good feel good story. But on national, yeah. uh, historical level, is that a good idea? Everyone goes by their feelings. Yeah, you know? and part of part of one of the tests of a good worldview is is it livable? And, um, you know, I mean, it's great to have all these crazy theories, uh, new ideas, radically new approaches, but at some point it has to be livable. And I think what we're going to find out with the, uh, some of the ideology that's put forth today is uh, we'll look back 10 years from now, 20 years from now, and go, what a disaster, unfortunately. Well, like six months from now. Yeah, what a disaster. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So let's transition. We're, yeah. we're, we're going to introduce a brand new book to you. And again, as we introduce these books, we encourage you to go out and uh, pick up a copy and join us as we kind of make our way through. We hope it's helpful. Uh, Rod Dreyer's book, talk to us about the title, and we'll get, kind of get into the uh, intro in the first chapter maybe yeah, a little the bit. Book's, the title is interesting. It's called Live Not By. Lies, and um, which I didn't understand. That was a, a yeah, quote, direct uh, quote from Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who was a Russian uh, dissident. Um, spent some time in the Soviet Gulag under Stalin. Uh, when he uh, was exiled by the by uh, the, the communists uh, to the United States, he was a trumpet for um, uh, for truth. And really, he spoke prophetically. God used him to speak prophetically in a lot of the Ivy League universities. Uh, to uh, basically condemn the West that we have forgotten God. Yeah. That went over like a lead balloon because yeah. <laughs> our Ivy League schools had abandoned God themselves. Right. Uh, and so here's this prophet who's coming literally out of a prison camp of horrors, and he's warning the United States to get back to her roots and warning individuals to return to, to God and return to truth. And he's being mocked at, at our universities in America. And that was back, I believe, in the in the uh, '70s, I think, early '70s. Um, the middle of the Cold War. Yeah, and he, you know, so here again, this here's somebody talk about talk about spiritual blindness. Here's somebody who has lived through it, who watched who watched the Soviets take over the, the country, you know, bit by bit, uh, and create this this Holocaust, and uh, and he comes to the West, and we're so we're so enamored with our our uh, pleasures and with our comforts. That we have no ear to hear. In the middle of sexual revolution. Sexual, yeah, all of that going on. Incredible financial blessing yeah. because of of, the, of capitalism and free markets. All the, all the freedom, everything that freedom yeah. has has produced, we've perverted it. Yeah. And uh, and so it's ironic that you have someone like that who's saying, "Hey, it's basically it was a warning that if America and the West does not wake up, what was happening in the Soviet Gulag is going to be coming to the shores." Yeah. Of America, <coughs> and um, yeah, I, I thought how um, Rod Dreher, how he started this this book was very interesting. Mm -hmm. He basically got a call from a immigrant son, a a, a doctor, mm -hmm. a very good doctor, but his mother's doctor's mother saw what happened back in. Indiana during the Religious Freedom Restoration Act battle, in which, yep, which for those we who remember, yep. um, 
there was a pizzeria that someone asked, like, will you cater to a, a homosexual wedding? And this pizzeria was like, we wouldn't do that. Again, yeah. like, who caters <laughs> or, pizza for Who gets pizza for their wedding? But anyways, the point was, and just uh, the, the, the hatred that was yeah. unleashed upon that pizzeria. So that whole story... Tri- uh, really trigger this this doctor's mother who li- I forgot what country she came from immigrated yeah. from some Eastern Bloc yep. European nation who underwent you know totalitarianism fascism whatever and she saw that she was so concerned she talked to her son who then called Rod Dreher and says what is what was happening in our my home nation is now starting to happen in the United States and, and we're talking about Indiana a conservative state. yeah we're talking about this town was a rural town. I mean, we're not, it was not a big urban area. Right. I'm not talking about Chicago. And, and right. so it, it actually was shocking to somebody who said, wait a minute, this is exactly what was going on back in my country yeah. um, uh, under communism. Uh, and so when you, th- this is, you know, what we've been saying, I even alluded to it on Sunday's message. Um, when you have people who have lived through hell and lived through uh, these Eastern Bloc Soviet rule, you know, satellite uh, countries, uh, and they're saying, "Hey, this is how it started." Um, right. You know, they're alarmed. They've they've seen it firsthand. We've got to listen to these people yep. and learn from these people and have an attitude of posture. So, share again the quote that kick, kind of kicks off this book because I think it's it kind of summarizes yeah. why the book was written. He talk about Solzhenitsyn. He says, uh, "There's always this fallacious belief. It will not be the same here." Here, such things are impossible. Yep. Alas, all the evils of the 20th century is possible everywhere on earth. Yep. And so he's saying we can't sit back as Christians and just go, well, it, it'll never happen in the United States. It won't happen in the United States. Yeah. There's no way that that could happen because um, it's happened all over the world. And it's, fool- yep. it's foolishness and arrogance for us to suggest that if we ignore God, we will not end up in the same place. Well, it's interesting because he even ended this chapter, uh, Rod Dreher, yeah. talking to these immigrant friends of his who are very successful now in the United States. Yeah. But they came from, um, they're very close to a, a fascism, okay? True fascism, not True the fascism yeah. we, we, we just throw around in our world today. But anyways... Um, and some of these advice that they're giving Rodre was, there's no point writing this book because people won't know till they experience it themselves. I mean, kind of very fatalistic, kind of like America's doomed anyway. It's kind people of like won't the, wake frog, up until the frog in the kettle, you know, you're sitting there and the frog in the frying pan and the, the heat gets turned up and, and you don't really know that it's happening to you yeah. until it's too late. Yeah. And, but Because that's what they experienced. That's they, what they experienced. Yeah. And, and Rodre here. I appreciate his response was like, well, I'm going to try to prove them wrong by writing this book for their kids and for my kids. And and praise the Lord he did that. I mean, we can't sit back kind of a fatalism. No, and and that's not our approach. Our approach is is there is still God on his throne. Yeah. Um, The church, uh, he's giving us keys to the kingdom, to the the body of Christ. Absolutely. And then we're giving the key. So so, uh, we always always have a shot. We always have a chance. Yeah. In fact, I want you to to highlight along with me. Just to just to, so people understand yeah. the tenor of this podcast, yeah. we're, this is not doom and gloom. America's going to hell in no. a handbasket, and there's nothing we can do about it. Just the opposite. We're seeing across the globe, people yeah. are waking up, especially over in Europe, where some of these um, uh, progressive kind of uh, ideology has been in place a little bit longer than what we're seeing on the shores of yeah. America. 
Um, but people are sick of it. And, and we're seeing some, some big political victories that has the, the progressive yeah. mainstream media freaking out. Well, the, glo- the globalist states, the, globalist, the global, yeah. the Brussels. The, so it's interesting. And they say, you know, United States is always like the decade behind Europe or something yeah, like that. Yeah. You know? And in this case, I hope it's true because you look at, uh, I guess, yesterday, uh, <laughs> the Italians a- elected. Uh, yeah, the first woman leader. First woman prime minister. Yeah. The brother, the, the party is called the Brothers of Italy, which is based on their national anthem. So okay. they're going back to a nationalistic, uh, kind of conservative, conservative. They call right wing uh, party. And and it was what's her Georgia? Uh, what's her name? Yeah, Maloney or Milani. Georgia Milani or whatever. Um, but she was the first. She's becoming the first woman prime minister of Italy. Yeah. And this lady, I listened to her one of her speech, man. Oh yeah. She was on fire. I, yeah. I, I posted it on Facebook. You can go to my Facebook page. I, I was moved to tears, and I was that was just from yeah, reading subtitles, the sub, subtitles because yeah. she's letting it rip in Italian. Yeah. And, and here's the radical stuff. You know, the, the, the mainstream media, they're so ridiculous. They said that, you know, this is a threat to, she's a threat to democracy, and she she's radical, right? And she's a fascist. And, so here's what makes her a fascist. She said, I'm a woman. <laughs> I, I'm a wife. I'm a mother. Um, I want my country to to uh, to have boundaries and borders. I I want our people to have a national identity. I want my children to have a gender identity. I yeah. mean, she's just talking about basically uh, basic foundational common sense yeah. things that are necessary for a nation to survive. And it's, there's nothing radical about any of her ideas. The only thing that's radical is how, how common sense they are. Well, this is where the, the switch in definition makes a big difference, right? Because, yep. you know, the fascism language. used to mean, you know, inflation used to mean something. Gender used to mean something. Fascism used to mean something. But now it's whatever the mainstream media defines it. You right. know, now fascism is defined right wing. So if you're conservative, you're fascism. Never connecting what true fascism was. Now right. you just if you're right wing, you're just fascist because right. that by definition, right. right? It's just an incendiary term to throw out there like a hand grenade to blow up to cause bloodshed and violence and right. confusion. Um, but you know we're going to get into this as we get into this book because language is a huge thing. Yeah. In in these totalitarian countries, language is used to redefine terms. So <coughs> what was once black is now white. What was white is now black. Uh, words are used that we think we're saying the same thing, but we're not saying the same thing at all. Um, we make up new words. We've yep. seen that over yep. and over again. New words, which are simply propaganda. We should make up some new we words. We should make up some new words. We should. <laughs> Let's work on that for yeah, next, so yeah. for next we time. We have no time. We actually have work to do. We've got to raise kids. And, yeah. yeah, but if that major donor comes in, we're going to have time Man, to I'm sit telling around. you, come on, help there us There are people who sit around in these think tanks, and that's what they do, man. They come up. Okay, anyway, I'm going to go. Yeah. But, but I was listening to Stephen Crowder, and he made a great point. He says, name one fascist, Nate, a fascist party that advocates for more Free speech, yeah, exactly. Smaller government, yeah, more local government, more more small central government, right to protect yourself and the right to bear arms, yeah. So that so more people can what fascist government ever promoted? uh, Just so that was such a good point to think through that and be like, hmm, wait, what? How is that fascism when you are we want power to be decentralized? Yeah, and that's what she's saying. Let's the goal of all these. uh, tyrannical governments is to remove the identity of the people. You know, yeah. if you have no borders, you have no nation. Yeah. If you remove the history of your nation and you rewrite it, you have no roots. If you if you redefine the family, you have no family.
family roots. If you if you redefine gender, you have no gender roots. Yeah. You don't even know who you are. You don't even know what sex you so are. So what gives your identity? The government. Exactly. The government, the federal government gives you identity, tells you what you should do, what you shouldn't do. It removes all these other identifying factors, religion, churches, family, uh, uh, tradition, institutions, and then all you have is the government. You hit the nail on the head. Brave um, new world. It is globalism. It is one world government. It is the power to government to tell you how to live, how to think, what is good, what is bad. Whatever, is, whatever the government says is good or bad, that's yeah. the truth. That's the new reality. And so you can see where a, a, a woman, first elected woman who should be celebrated by every feminist group in America, right? Um, uh, she stands up, and I watched her boldly in their gathering of parliament or whatever. She is a, a prophetic firebrand. I mean, this is a, a woman who takes no prisoner. She is telling it like it is. And people are giving, the common people are giving her standing ovations because oh, they, yeah. know, they know what's at stake. Um, and so I, I applaud her. But and then you mentioned some other. Uh, yeah, well, it's not Gre- just Italy, Greece, right? Uh, not Greece. Uh, Sweden, Sweden of all nations. Yeah. Sweden is like the is like the boss. It's the the Massachusetts of Europe. You know, well, and just California, California Europe. Sweden embraced this progressive, uh, no borders, just let everybody yeah. come in, and they had a massive influx uh, of Islamic folks. Mm-hmm. Many of them who are <laughs> radicalized, and now they're, I was reading, they're having multiple bombings every day in Sweden, uh, not, not to mention violence in the streets, rapes, uh, violence against women. This is happening every day. Those people are starting to go, wait a minute, what in the world? What kind of naive right. world were we living in where we think we could just open our borders to anyone, even if they, they don't share our same views about life or our same worldview? Um, anyway, France. Crazy. France of all nations, France. I know. I know uh, Macron is still the president, but I think recently they had an election with a different parliamentary and the the nationalist the conservative party, whatever you want to call it. I forgot the name of it. Yep. Uh, Le Pen's party. Uh, she didn't win, but the party took a lot of seats. You know what's happened in, in Hungary? What's been happening in uh, Poland? Yeah. So so. And let's talk about the United States because uh, the media certainly won't talk about it. all they're talking about is. Uh, they're still trying to make the abortion issue a wedge issue. And, and um, let me just talk about that real quick, yeah, the yeah. abortion wedge. In Europe right now, I read that so many people are approaching <coughs> the issue of abortion and pro-life from the perspective of demographics. In other words, we're losing our culture. We don't yeah. have people anymore. Yeah. So one of the reasons we need to be pro-life is simply to sustain yeah. our culture, to yeah, have like, kids. Like a nation like France, which has been very godless uh, since the French Revolution— <laughs> And very much not pro-family in terms of, of having having families, period. And as the demographics are going now, France will not exist in a matter of years because they simply can't replace their, their nation. Right. And so what a strange, what a strange twist. It, it's this interesting approach towards this whole choice versus life, whatever. It's like, no, you know what? We need to sustain our nation. So it becomes a, almost a utilitarian. See, stars were utilitarian. Like, we just need to bore our baby so we can have, you know, right. whatever, whatever. Now it's utilitarian because we need to replace ourselves. Yeah. We need to provide for the elderly. We and, need people. And I saw even communist nations like Russia were incentivizing their, their people to have children and to have families by paying them to have X amount of kids because they get it there, there will not be a nation um, so we're not yeah. dealing with the the, uh, the global alarmists have it all wrong we're not dealing with overpopulation at all the biggest no. the biggest threat to the world is underpopulation <coughs> which fits our worldview right right uh, I think Jordan Peterson was talking about 
this radical environmentalism that's caused all these European nations to be utterly dependent on Russia right now because for their fuel. Uh, because the, these postures they took towards environmental oh, yeah, energy prices are shooting up, and people can't can't. This winter is going to be very interesting. But yeah. he he made a statement. He says, "But these these energy policies don't make sense. They don't even help the environment." He says, "At some point, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. We have to conclude that this is not pro environment. This is these policies are anti human." Right. That was crazy. I was like, wow, he actually said it. But we've but, been talking about that for forever. But some of these ideologies are anti-human because they we worship nature. We worship a whole host yeah. of other things and, and, more than people. And look at what the series has been talking about. Who hates the image and likeness of God? You talk about all of us who are human beings bear the image. We're, we're a bunch of statues of the living God. And you talk about in our sermon series. Check out our, new, our, our series, Me. Uh, on our on our on yeah, our we just YouTube did nine, nine weeks on identity, and if you're uh, are not part of our church family or you live uh, out of the region, we encourage you to go and take that in. We talked about a lot of these issues and laid a biblical foundation for for human worth and value and yeah. dignity. And that's um, a powerful point that we we were made to become image bearers of. So we're a bunch of statues or portraits of God. Reflections of God, but anyway, who wants to destroy all these? Who hates God and wants to destroy all yeah. these? Yeah, all of He's this a, is ultimately spiritual. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's the roots so of all. When that. I heard him say that, I was like, "Wow, he actually called out that agenda." Yes. So, anyway, so so in this book, what he's doing is comparing um, <clears throat> communism with with Western liberal democracy, and you wouldn't think those two things would have much in common, but the roots uh, and the expression of that are very, very similar. And he begins by saying this, he says, elites and elite institutions are abandoning old-fashioned liberalism. Of course, old-fashioned liberalism was based in defending the rights of the individual. You know, the liberals back in the day were all about free speech, um, you know, all about protecting individual liberties. We got organizations like the ACLU and groups like this that were dedicated to protecting individual liberty and free speech. Of course, they've all been radicalized now. But here's what happened. The, the, defending the rights of the individual was replaced with a progressive creed that regards justice in terms of groups. And man, is that happening right now in America. So for instance, all, according to critical race theory, if you're white, you're a racist. It doesn't matter. <laughs> There's no individual scrutiny or discrimination. If you're white and you're in that group, by definition, you're an oppressor and you're a racist. Mm-hmm. And so now we're, we're looking at dividing and carving up America in terms of these special interest groups. Instead of looking at individual liberties, we're looking at that through the lens of groups, which is scary because we saw this with Hitler, you know, with the Jews. Uh, with the trade unions. There's a whole bunch of groups that he systematically began to demonize and stigmatize based on their group identity, not based on who they are as individuals. Which is, even this ideology contradicts this radical individualism, which says, hey, I want you to know you for me, for you, you know, for who you are. Well, when you identify people with a group, you're negating their personal experience, their personal history, their personal character, their personal choices. Right. Right. So you're poisoning people. You're making racism about color when racism uh, transcends all colors. Racism's in the heart of fallen human beings. It doesn't matter what color you are. You're going to have to deal with that. Yep. Uh, So now we have good people. All all we've done is we've taken racism and we've reversed it. Yep. Um, And now we we put the oppressed group. They're the victims of everybody else who are the racists. Um, Right. He goes on to say here, uh, and encourages people to identify with groups, ethnic, sexual, and otherwise, and to think of good and evil as a matter of power dynamics among the groups. Of course, we talked about that's the Marxist twist. A utopian vision 
drives these progressives, one that compels them to seek to rewrite history and reinvent language to reflect the ideals of social justice. Yeah, we talked about utopianism before. If you rewind the tape in America, yeah. uh, back to the last election cycle, we had groups burning cities down. It was all done under the name of uh, 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 justice, uh, of redistributing, uh, what's that word? Retributive justice, in other words. It's okay that they're robbing and pillaging because uh, they deserve it uh, yeah. because of what's been done to them in the past. We saw, saw statues pulled down. We saw people renaming things. Um, it was all under this progressive push towards a utopian culture. It requires, and this is what, where it, it aligns with the, uh, that soft totalitarianism, it requires that you rewrite history as it's been taught. And so we're seeing a big push now to get away with Western civ uh, and taught in our universities. Some of the great ideas and great thinkers that led to who America is today. We're throwing all that out. We have to completely rewrite history from a lesbian perspective, a gay perspective, a queer perspective, a, a black perspective, a, you know, whatever the perspective is. We have to have certain months dedicated to different groups in an effort to rewrite history or to include them in history in a, in a stronger way. But a lot of it's ideological. And then the language that comes with it is also loaded, as you mentioned, loaded with new meaning and new understandings. In other words, words don't mean what they used to mean in the past. And the sad thing is, go ahead if you want to jump in. I was going to say, you, you mentioned soft totalitarianism. You might want to explain that to our listeners real quick, yeah. what that means, you know. Yeah, so, so what he's pointing out here is under the Soviet style of totalitarianism, it was called hard totalitarianism. In other words, oh, you, you're part of that group? We're going to kill you, or we're going to imprison you, or we're going to... Strong-handed the government. Strong-handed. There was very clear... It was physical uh, punishment, consequences, like death camps. Mm. And, you know, uh, listening to the book I read about a former Auschwitz survivor, he said the first thing that happened was if you were a Jew... Um, you could not go to college. Mm. So imagine, you know, if you're part of a of a class that doesn't fit the the ideology, or you disagree, you're automatically not given privileges. In fact, right now in in communist China, there's a, a social credit score mm -hmm. where it, because they have cameras everywhere, mm. uh, if you violate the orthodoxy of of the party, you get points against your your social credit score. And if you get so many points, you're not allowed to travel. You're not allowed to fly anywhere. You're not allowed to leave the country. Eventually, you're not allowed to purchase things. You're certainly not allowed to go to the finest schools in communist China. The, I had been reading where a lot of what was going on with the current um, uh, pandemic protocol and all this was to see how ready Americans are to receive kind of a top-down social credit kind of system, you know, like wearing a mask, not wearing a mask, practicing yeah. social distancing, yeah. not practicing social distancing, getting the shot, not getting the shot. Right. All, what they're measuring... Your social media posts. Exactly. They're, they're measuring the willingness <clears throat> to push back. Yeah. And when people just become blind sheep, you know, willing to walk off the cliff, follow the sheep in front of them without thinking, uh, you know, Stalin called these people useful idiots. Mm. Uh, because they just they're so they're so uh, submitted to groupthink and to the government that they lose their will to even push back, and they certainly don't have the courage to push back. And so it's interesting that that that's what hard totalitarianism is. There are 
physical consequences, painful consequences for going against the party or the government. Soft totalitarianism just comes at you in subtle ways. Um, or not so subtle ways, but not so much physical ways. In other words, no one's coming. Oh, you're not, you're not getting vaccinated. We're carting you off to jail. We right. we didn't quite see that, although we saw that a little bit to our neighbor to the north in Canada. Right. Um, but you lose your job. Right. You can't travel. Um, you're, you're, they will, like you said, you lose your livelihood. <laughs> they will uh, trash your reputation. Yep. So, for instance, if you're a university professor and you're moving towards being tenured and, you know, you're at a place where it used to be uh, free speech was celebrated, right, in the classroom, right. dialoguing, ideas. And now you come out and say, uh, uh, men can't have babies. Boom, you're fired. Yep. And, uh, or you're, you're blacklisted and people attack you. Right. They yeah. get out in front of your house and protest right. and threaten your kids. Right. I mean, this is all based on fear and intimidation. And the goal of soft totalitarianism is to take away our voices. Yeah. It's to get people to self-censor. And this is what's happening a lot today. In fact, there was just a, a, a survey that was done that said many people have serious problems with CRT and all this crazy gender ideology that's being shoved down our throats in our public schools. But the reason they won't say anything is for fear of retribution. Well, let's look at what happened with uh, the, the FBI targeting conservatives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was listening to a, uh, a polling yesterday, a conservative polling. He's saying whatever poll there is right now for the midterms is actually underrepresenting right. uh, conservatives because when pollsters call the conservatives, there are some conservatives who don't even want to tell the pollsters that they're leaning right because sure. they don't want to be targeted because of the fear of being targeted by the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> or, or if I get those kind of calls, I don't know who's taking the poll. Right. So I'm not going to tell what I really believe uh, because unless I know who's taking the poll because that could be used to strategize and used yeah. uh, for opposition, you know, research. And uh, so I'm just keeping my cards close to my chest for me, not because of fear, but right. for me because I don't trust. I don't trust the media. I don't trust... I don't trust government. There's a lot of groups I trust. So, so can I share a quick story that talks about that? Even the way we're thinking right now, we're under soft totalitarianism. Yeah, Just the we way we're have, even, yeah. like, when someone calls us and asks you for a polling for the political views, our first thought is, where is this person coming from? Are yeah. they targeting me? Are they watching me? Man, we how far have we really gone? Yeah, that's a good point. I, I just want to share even, uh, so, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, Immigrant. I actually immigrated from Taiwan myself, and my parents both were, went through the Civil War. Uh, my grandparents fought in the Civil War in China. Um, so what happened? China's you know it's close to my heart. Yeah. So, and and yeah. Then, but I didn't know that much about it. I grew up in Taiwan, which was a democracy, a, a, a democratic republic, and then I immigrated to the United States when I was eight years old. But I heard stories. I heard yeah. stories, right? And then in my twenties, uh, I watched this movie called To Live. It's a Chinese movie, and I think it's been banned in China. It talks about what happened during the whole Cultural Revolution. I remember watching that, and just there was a scene in which, um, it was a powerful scene. I recommend people, oh man, it's, it, it was such a, it's cruciating experience to watch that movie. It was, it was a real representation of what a normal person lived through during the Cultural Revolution in China. And there was a scene which like everyone's, everything's about the party at that moment. And they have like a communal meal time. Right. And there's one kid who, um, uh, his sister was being bullied by another kid. So he took some noodles and whatever, he poured it on the bully's head. Okay, so he just caused a mess. Well, the bully's dad starts calling this kid and his family 
start saying you are rebelling against the government. Wow. So instead of like talking about you shouldn't do that to my son, let's just address this issue, he started using these social accepted verbiage to attack right. this, this family. The last thing you want to do is go against the government. And you see the hesitation in his dad who saw his son. I mean, this is a, this is a issue between kids. And he's, he, the fear he had that all of a sudden is, this becomes about like the government's overlooking me and I could be considered a rebel. I could be considered I'm against the Communist Party. I could, my whole family could be killed because of this. Now it's like the fear of everything and the look on his face. And all of a sudden he starts chewing out his own son, even though he, his own son wasn't. You know, he was. It wasn't. He, he didn't start it. As minor yeah. as a, as a schoolhouse, well, and, and, you know, and disagreement. His, and he was. He was being bullied. And I remember watching that, just thinking, "Man, that's a horrible place to live, in which you feel the oppressive weight of the government. Anyone could just ca- turn on you and say you're a bigot, right. you're a racist, you're whatever, even though you're totally the, not any yeah. of that." So that's the hard totalitarianism. The yeah. soft totalitarianism. I just read where there are school systems where the teacher says teaching all the transgender and, and uh, progressive sexual yeah. ethics now, and says, okay, if you believe that this is, is good and right, stand on that side of the oh, room. Geez. And if you disagree or you, <laughs> yeah. or you believe this is wrong, stand on this side of the room. And there might be two kids brave enough that are standing all by themselves yeah. over here while their whole classroom and their teacher is glaring at them. Yeah. That's soft totalitarianism. Yeah. That is... We're going to push this agenda. We're going to we're going to sh- publicly shame students yep. who don't go along with it. Uh, eventually, they'll be removed from their classroom because they'll be hateful. Their behaviors will be in, uh, interpreted as being hateful. Right. Um, and and this this is the beginning. This is the path toward hard totalitarianism. It's it's a soft. It's really not soft. It's equally painful. I mean, it hurts to lose your livelihood. It hurts to lose your reputation. It hurts to be kicked out of a school or fired from your job. You know these things hurt. It's just not somebody shooting you in the head. But the shooting you in the head comes later if we allow this kind of stuff to happen. But but that sense of fear, that sense of like I have to second, I have to double think and think like what? How should I answer? Should I answer truthfully or not? Man, we are really in that right now. No, and you you bring on a real good point. This, when self censoring happens, yeah. You're already down the pathway uh, to soft totalitarianism. Whenever we're having to think, like you know, it's, it's ironic that we're that in the providence of God we're doing this this podcast on what we're doing it on. When just last week we received a a a, a social uh, credit our credit score got yeah, dinged, yeah, right? we got dinged our, our social score. credit uh, because we we spiked, spoke about yeah. something that was off script. Now, what was off script was not radical. It was not perverted. It was not talking about nasty things. No, if you talk about those things, you won't get censored. Oh, yeah. You can be as crude and rude and vulgar as you want to be and probably get good highlights. Um, But our our sin was talking about election integrity. Now, again, that is soft totalitarianism. It It is the big media tech companies that are progressive in their ideology, far to the left, who are basically dictating the terms of what gets talked about on their platform. And again, I get it, it's a private company and, and, and you can do all that, but but not when it violates our, our liberties, God-given liberties and our First Amendment rights. Now we're seeing a, a massive collision uh, on those things. So anyway, this is, I hope, I hope a good introduction on where we're gonna be going. I can't think of anything more relevant than what we're talking about right now. Yeah. Uh, so I hope you find this helpful. Now. 
Pastor Andrew and I are going to pause here and say goodbye to you all because we're going to come back uh, and do another podcast uh, as he is going to be out of town next week. So this will look like next week, but it's actually this week and we're getting ahead of you. Uh, But we hope you enjoy it. Please share this far and wide and uh, and, uh, we hope it'll be a big help to you. All right. Have a great week.